What is up, Level Up Nation, and welcome to the April 27th edition of Level Up Live, your home for gaming and esports news, brought to you by OTN Media. My name is Fiasco, but you can call me John, and I am joined, as always, by the king of the courtside, the courtside king, Joey. What's up, buddy? John, uh, it has been another week. Uh, it feels like we say that every week at this point. Um, but especially in gaming and esports, there has been a lot going on, especially on the gaming side. Uh, we'll be talking about the big news of the week with Microsoft and Activision. Possibly we saw the end of the tunnel. The light was there. We thought we were almost there. And it could be quite a while now before we hear a resolution on that one. So we will touch base on that quite a bit. And that will be the main topic tonight. Uh, but there's plenty of juicy gaming goodness to talk about. Absolutely. Nation, before we head on into the show, make sure you are following the show on Twitter and Facebook. That is at Level Up Live. That is at LVLUP Live. And while you're on Twitter, make sure you give Joey and myself a follow. <clears throat> Joey at Courtside King, myself at Fiasco, if you're watching here live on Twitch. Uh, those are the handles below our beautiful camera shots right now. If you're listening to the podcast version down the road, they'll be in the show notes for you below. And Nation, speaking of the podcast, while while the live show on Twitch is the place to be for all your level up entertainment, we do offer uh, the show in the podcast form available roughly 24 hours after the stream has ended. Check out the level up podcast available on your podcatcher of choice. Extra credit. Uh, you all have Amazon Prime, right? Which means you have a Twitch Prime sub. Head on over to twitch.tv slash OTN media, even if you don't watch on Twitch and uh Help a couple brothers out. Give us that, that, that sweet, sweet, sweet Twitch Prime sub. How about that? All right, Joey, we talked a little bit about the uh, meat and potatoes of today's episode being uh, the Microsoft and Blizzard Activision uh, extravaganza as that continues. Uh, what else are we talking about today? Yeah, absolutely. So that is definitely going to be the big topic. Uh, but on top of that, John, there are so many big games coming out. Star Wars Jedi Survivor dropping tomorrow. Uh, we have the one we've talked about. I think at least last week, if not a couple weeks ago, the last case of Benedict Fox, that indie game that not only you and I have had our eyes on, but a lot of people have voted it as the top anticipated indie game of the year. At a few different showcases, we have Redfall coming out, Ravenlock, The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom, and so much more. So we'll touch on those as well as a few new trailers like Armored Core 6. All right, Joey. So we have our topics. We have our show laid out in front of us for today. Uh, before we can do that, it is time for the drink of choice, sir. Uh, fair warning, I am very boring today, so I'm going to need you to carry <laughs> this episode. What you drinking? Uh, absolutely not carrying anything. Uh, I have some electrolyte water over here, blue raspberry. Oh. Uh, slightly shocking flavor, um, but yeah, nothing too crazy. Yeah, um, water, because you got to stay hydrated, and staying hydrated is a good thing especially in the Northern Virginia weather that we've been having, where one day it's 90 and the next day it's 22. Uh, and then we have a thunderstorm coming in as we're recording this. So that's going to be fun, too. <laughs> All right, uh, Nation, we have our topics. We have our drinks. Uh, thank you, everyone, for tuning in here on Twitch. If you listen to the podcast, thank you for tuning in. We're going to get into it right now. We're going to start with gaming and esports news. And, of course, this segment presented by GamerBytes, bite-sized gaming and esports news delivered weekly directly to your inbox sign up today if you're here in twitch check out that link in chat if you're listening to the podcast version check out the show notes below for the sign up link also joey let's go ahead and get right into it and let's get into gaming and esports news okay john let's bite off this big bite of a sandwich uh, i don't know really what i wonder what i wanted to bite at first there so i just kind of jumped all around uh cma so the uk's kind of ftc equivalent per se of what we have over here in the U.S. that overlooks all the trade, looks over all the commerce, makes the big decisions. It's a little bit different over in the U.K. Uh, the CMA is the governing body, but it is not technically part of the U.K. government. Uh, it is independent of that. With that being said, the U.K. government, I've heard mixed things. Supposedly, if certain things are made decision-wise, uh, if it can be proven to be irrational is one of the cases, uh, kind of like that pleading insanity. Uh, they can overrule it, but in most cases, it is not easy for the UK government to overrule CMA rulings. Uh, with that being said, this was always going to be the tough one for Microsoft and Activision to get over to get their deal passed. Uh, it was going to be UK, the FTC in the US, and then the EU commission. 
seems like EU is leaning the direction of approving the deal. The FTC has already came out and said they are going to block the deal. The CMA was kind of that wild card. Uh, it looked like they were going to block for the longest time. Then there was kind of a light at the end of the tunnel. Microsoft was able to keep meeting their demands every time they had a public court case. Even behind closed doors, it sounded like things were going in the right direction as well. A lot of analysts, uh, pretty much 9 out of 10 analysts were saying, okay, the CMA is going to approve this deal this week. Well, John, we got the exact opposite. Uh, they came out and they declined it. They said, we are going to block this deal. Now, throughout this whole thing, outside of the last two weeks, the argument for the CMA has been Call of Duty. Call of Duty this, Call of Duty that. Uh, we cannot allow you guys to have Call of Duty, even though you're making these deals with Nintendo, offering deals to Sony, making deals with NVIDIA. Uh, it's just not fair for someone to own Call of Duty. Microsoft went up against that, built their cases against it, and said, hey, this is why we feel that it's fine. We're signing these deals. Whatever the case may be, they're going to give parity. It's going to release the same day, so on and so forth. And Sony still whined, and Microsoft still answered, and it just went back and forth. At the end of that, the CMA is like, okay, you have met our expectations. Uh, here are a couple other things. Give us a little bit more, and we'll call it a day. It's pretty much the what the most people were feeling from it, uh, from an analyst perspective, from a industry perspective from just a normal fan perspective uh with that being said the deal came out today and did not mention call of duty at all uh or rather a couple days ago and it's all about cloud gaming they're saying cloud gaming for microsoft is too strong uh they have cited that microsoft owns 60 percent of uk's cloud gaming market well john of that 60 percent uh microsoft has come out and said they only have the capacity of supporting 5,000 concurrent cloud gamers at a time in uk 5,000 sounds like a nice number, but we're talking millions, guys. Billions of gamers, in fact. Uh, not in the UK, of course, but worldwide. Uh, 5,000 is a very insignificant number. Even if that is 60%, that is such a small market of gamers from the UK. Uh, so I, I'm just to kind of get your thoughts on this, John, initially, obviously you and I both kind of were leaning toward the CMA approving this deal in the later stages. Then they came out and kind of pivoting here with cloud gaming. Uh, Joey, there's a phrase I want to use, but I can't because it's a family-friendly show. <laughs> um, it involves a bird and bird excrement, if you will. <laughs> uh, this is such horse version of the same thing. This is literally the UK's version. Uh, so CMA. This is CMA's way of appeasing Sony. Uh, because every time Sony made a complaint, Microsoft met it. Every time CMA had a concern, Microsoft was able to provide details and show how it wasn't what they thought it was. I mean, Microsoft, for a multi-billion dollar company, uh, has probably been the most honest and rational and forthcoming company I've ever seen Um in this type of situation where they're just willing to open everything up to prove their case. And the CMA is going to come down and say, you know what? Everything else was fine, except for the fact that 5,000 cloud gamers make up 60% of the UK's cloud gaming scene. And that's bad. I mean, Joey, this is literally what the U S government does. Like, for gangsters and mobsters back in the 1920s, they could never connect them to the murder. So they went out and said, oh, well, their restaurant that they own failed to file taxes. So we're going to arrest them for tax evasion. Like, okay, cool. You put the bad guy away, but this is ridiculous. 5,000 cloud gamers is literally what's holding up a deal that one is going to help Activision and Blizzard survive. And two, bring Blizzard Activision games to a whole new group of people. Uh, I just, it just, it, it blows my mind. Like, this is like borderline, like, anti-consumerism. This is like anti-capitalism. Like, it, it just, it just blows my mind that something that actually has benefit is being held up by 5,000 cloud gamers. I, mean, I think it's also just fascinating that they went with the cloud approach in the end, especially with so many of the deals revolving around cloud. Like, yes, you can argue the Nintendo one was heavily Call of Duty based. That didn't really touch on cloud. But NVIDIA, the biggest cloud competitor out there right now, being NVIDIA, uh, they ended up getting a 10-year deal, and they're happy with it. They even came out in support 
of Microsoft when the CMA came out with their decision against it. Uh, and we'll touch on that a little bit later. I mean, you look at some of the other deals they signed. They signed with UK-based cloud gaming companies. So we're not talking like big companies like a Google, and Amazon, another Nintendo, a Sony. They're signing those deals too, but they're also signing with the little guys. They're saying, hey, you guys can have a piece of the pie as well. Sure, you're not going to compete with Game Pass potentially, but you can have all of the Microsoft, Xbox, and Activision Blizzard games on your service as well. I mean, that's just huge. And one of the big arguments here is like the little guys can't play. The little guys can't compete. But there's already the deals in place for them to compete, at least for the next 10 years. Uh, I feel like maybe there should have been some more stipulations like, hey, Microsoft, maybe offer 15-year contracts. That sounds a little bit more reasonable. The CMA gets their little way of pushing things a little bit further. But Microsoft also can move forward with the deal. Uh, or maybe you come out with an argument that says, hey, if you do not put Call of Duty on Game Pass, then you're good to go. Or maybe Call of Duty can't be on the cloud-based service uh, outside of Game Pass. I mean, I feel like there's other remedies out there that could have been discussed, especially as the processes go. Like, I mean, these are not short processes. This deal was announced, what, January 2022? And now we're here in April 2023. So there has been plenty of time uh, since anything was filed for the CMA to come through, talk about other ways that could have been changed. Uh, but we kind of wait to the last minute. And I mean, that's just... It's a government thing in general at times, I feel like, with some of these regulatory bodies. Um, but overall, I just feel like there are ways that could have remedied this before we got to an outright block, especially a block that kind of blindsided uh, the companies a little bit here as well. Um, the one who's suffering the most, I think, is the UK gamers. I think even the PlayStation gamers in the UK are going to struggle from this, uh, not necessarily on a cloud-based system, but Sony already has such a strong market when it comes to the UK. They own... I don't remember the number off the top of my head, but I want to say it was somewhere near 70% of the market. Microsoft being much, much smaller over there. Who are you competing with? Now Sony was able to easily raise the price to $70. We could see them continue to raise prices on services via PS Plus. Now, I'm not saying they will. I, I really don't know. But if you don't have competition in the area, what's to really hold you back from raising $5 here and there a month? What's to hold you back from raising game prices? What's told you back from cutting services a little bit down uh, just because you have such a strong lead and you already have so many people entrenched into your ecosystem, it allows a lot of flexibility without that competition there. The other thing that I think a lot of people have started to touch on, and John, I'm curious to get your thoughts on this one as well, uh, the mobile market. It is currently like a duopoly between Google and Apple. Microsoft has come out and said they are committed to bringing another mobile store to the market to allow developers to bring more income from the store and to help cut down the crazy, really, tax rates of prices uh, that Apple and Google put on developers. Apple takes something like 30% from developers, which is pretty insane compared to some of the other gaming storefronts out there. Like, I think Steam and Epic are both around 12%, if I remember correctly. Uh, so 30 very, very high in comparison. Uh, I think that's another big target that a lot of people miss here. It all becomes Sony and Xbox because of the fanboy game, but also that big mobile market that this will affect as well. Yeah, I mean, I just to me, the whole thing just it it just doesn't make sense. Like when you just the numbers laid out in front of them, cloud gaming, mobile gaming, wh whatever type of gaming it is, this decision at the end of the day just does not make sense and reeks of the CMA just bending over for Sony. Um, it, you know, if you know. I, I really don't even know where to go from here because, you know, <laughs> if call like if these games are going to be available on on mobile platforms or other platforms or whatever, that's a good thing. That opens it up to to additional gamers. Yes, the the mobile market is essentially a duopoly between, like you said, Google and Apple. Um, but that doesn't seem to stop anyone. Uh, this Activision Blizzard deal with Microsoft wouldn't make anything a duopoly at all. Uh, and there's still a, a ton of freedom amongst developers and gaming studios and everything else all around the world. It's not like everything's being consolidated under either Sony or Microsoft. It's literally just, yes, it's a major deal because it's a, it's a legendary uh, uh, developer in the sense of Blizzard and Activision being acquired by a multi-billion dollar company like Microsoft. But at the end of the day, Microsoft hasn't shown any ill will of saying, oh, we're locking these games behind Xbox only. We're not limiting it to a certain platform, kind of like what we're seeing in the mobile market with Apple 
and with Google, where you have to be on the Apple platform or you have to be on the Google Android platform to access the App Store. I just, I, I just don't get it. Like it, the, the idea behind it does not make any sense and just makes the whole ruling of 5,000 cloud gamers in England holding this whole it's thing It's fascinating. Up I mean, even, even when sketchy. they went out and they asked for public opinion, three quarters of the opinions they got, it was at least three quarters. I know it was like over 66% something in that range towards 75. They all came in and said they support the deal. When they asked other publishers throughout the industry, they had one games publisher come out and say no, and that was Sony. Later on, Google also started a little bit of a rise when Stadia got shut down. A little bit too late. Um, but in the end, I mean, I think maybe the Stadia deal pushed this a little bit too, seeing Google have to shut down Stadia or rather decide to shut down Stadia because of the competition coming out from other players like Microsoft and NVIDIA and some of these other cloud gamers. Um, but yeah, in the end, it's just, it's very questionable. It's odd. Um, I mean, maybe not as odd. It definitely was the direction the CMA was headed at first. Seems like the remedies came through. Unfortunately, not enough to move them in that direction as they do end up blocking. Uh, but now we head to the appeals process. So looking at the appeals, taking a look at some of the responses, uh, kicking things off with Activision. We had the EVP of Corporate Affairs and CCO of Activision Blizzard, Lulu Meservy, come out. Lulu's quote, pretty much right after the deal ended up being stated, or the block rather, from the CMA. She is quoted saying, the CMA's report today is a major setback for the UK's ambitions to be a tech hub, and we will work with Microsoft to reverse it on appeal. She goes on to state, this report is also a disservice to UK citizens who face increasingly dire economic prospects, and we will need to reassess our growth strategy in the UK. Kind of a pointed response there at the end. Uh, and then she goes on for one final statement in this tweet. Global innovators, large and small, will take note that despite all its rhetoric, the UK is closed for business. Uh, another big shot fired there at the UK right toward the end. Um, I think Lulu is very poignant, and she has been throughout this process. Um, and maybe it's just me, but I feel like if I'm appealing to a body that is also going to read the appeal, because a lot of these appeals are going to go through the CMA, maybe I don't quite go as aggressive as they have decided mm -hmm. here, both Activision and Microsoft. Um, but they have shot some fires in these early responses coming out as well. Also on the Activision side, we saw Bo Bobby Kotick, or Kotick, however you want to pronounce it. Uh, not the most popular guy on the block, but he did come on CNBC and give an interview regarding the decision. Uh, a lot of the same sentiments, very disappointed in the decision. Uh, he questioned some of the basis that they have come about, as well as questioning uh, the UK as a business opportunity for technology, uh, especially if it's blocking deals. It even blocked one of its own deals over there with Arm, uh, a UK-based UK company being blocked when NVIDIA tried to acquire them. Uh, so there's a lot of tech question marks out there right now in the sector for the UK. And this is after they've already been struggling with the banking side of things as well. Uh, just as a business, ever since Brexit, it feels like the UK is really struggling uh, in certain sectors. And now technology being the next big one. So keeping an eye on that, uh, Kotick also went on to talk about how he heard that there was a meeting between the FTC head, Lena Khan, uh, and the CMA a couple weeks ago before this decision was made. And shortly after, Microsoft had met with him and had a lot of positive speaking with the CMA. Uh, he's not necessarily suggesting that anything went on behind the scenes, but in putting it out there, uh, I feel like he in inadvertently kind of suggests that and has kind of turned people uh, onto that as far as lawyers and fanboys and the like, uh, pretty much all over the place on social media platforms at the moment, uh, kind of looking into was this a fair thing? Was Lena actually allowed to have this meeting? Uh, the FTC has fired a statement. I don't have it in front of me at the moment. Uh, but they've pretty much came out and said that there was no issue with the meeting. Uh, nothing was discussed on the front of uh, collusion in that sense. It, to me, seems a little suspect that they're going to have a meeting two weeks before this decision's happening, and the FTC has been very upfront that they are blocking this deal, and one of the CMA's biggest deals right now is this deal ongoing. So if they're having a lunch meeting in Washington, I have a feeling this deal came up, and I'm sure both opinions were uh, tossed back and forth between the two. Uh, but we'll wait for someone official to make any calls on that. Right now, it's just kind of rumors and speculation um, from Connick's interview on CNBC. Anything on the Activision statements, John? I know this is quite... A lot of quoting here at the top of the show. Yeah, for real. It's tedious. Uh, very tedious. I mean, it's, it is it is what it is. It's going to play out. You know, they're going to appeal it. You know, it's, I just, it, it's going to play out. This is a saga that's never going to end. And I think that's really the key, right? Like, we've been going for so long, um, and it feels like this can now get dragged to 2024. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Why stop there? 
Oh, wow. We just go to 2025 while we're at it. You know, I, I like uh, even numbers. Let's just go up to 2026. You know, yeah. What will come uh, first, we'll, we'll the next Elder Scrolls game or the end of the Activision Microsoft? Sneak into Pico. <laughs> oh, hey, oh. Uh, Half-Life love 3. It. Absolutely love it. Uh, but yeah, it's going to be spicy, and it's going to be spicy for a while. Uh, let's dive quickly into Microsoft statements. The initial statement came out from President Brad Smith right after the decision from the CMA was announced, and his statement states, We remain fully committed to this acquisition and will appeal. The CMA's decision rejects a pragmatic path to address competition concerns and discourages technology innovation and investment in the United Kingdom. We have already signed contracts to make Activision Blizzard's popular games available on 150 million more devices, that obviously including the Nintendo Switch, uh, and we remain committed to reinforcing these agreements through regulatory remedies. We're especially disappointed that after lengthy deliberations, this decision appears to reflect a flawed understanding of this market, which I 100% agree with that part, uh, and the way the relevant cloud technology actually works. Uh, that's a really good statement there from Brad. Again, a little bit more pointed than I think I would have taken the approach. Um, with that being said, I think he does hit on a big thing that a lot of lawyers are hitting on as well. And it's kind of that flawed understanding of the market. Uh, when you're a big regulatory body like that, you're kind of overlooking a bunch of different sectors. Technology in and of itself has a lot of depth to it. And it feels like the gaming industry just adds even more layers of depth to that. Uh, and some of the statements in the articles um, for example, like calling Nintendo Switch not a high-powered console or uh, not a part of the high-performance console market, rather. Uh, it just kind of cuts out a giant segment that is really there. I mean, the Nintendo Switch is extremely popular. Uh, it's got massive sales, something over, I think, like 120 million units sold. Like, I mean, it is a very, very big popular console, and to kind of exclude it is just one of those ways where maybe they don't quite understand the market. Uh, I think the other one, John, is the one you hit on earlier with the cloud gaming. If we're talking 5,000 concurrent cloud gamers, does 60% really matter at this point? Like, sure, they're supposed to project forward, but they're making deals with these smaller companies already from on the Microsoft side, and then you have 5,000 gamers versus God knows how many gamers. I would assume probably probably in the millions for the UK, uh, if not the hundreds of thousands. I, I would assume millions would be pretty easy over there. Um, but yeah, in the end, it's, it's uh, just ah, very flawed in my opinion. Um, but that is a quick retort from Brad Smith. He went on to get a little bit more poignant. Again, a lot more aggressive than I think I would have played my cards in this situation. Um, but he goes on and kind of pokes a little bit at the parliament side of things, uh, calling on the prime minister to review the actions uh, taken here from the CMA. Now, again, the CMA is a private corporation. It's not directly linked with the government. Um, but there are certain things like irrationality, for example, is one of the points that can be brought out to overturn these decisions from the government side of things. Um, I don't know if the prime minister is going to jump to his feet to do this, um, but Microsoft also kind of taking a little bit of a, I don't know, they kind of poke the backside approach here a little bit, uh, coming in and talking about how they also protect UK's national security. Uh, again, not the approach I would have taken, uh, but they try to poke the prime minister as much as they can in some of these early statements. We'll see if it plays out for them the way they want it to. Yeah, very spicy. John, would this have happened under Queen Elizabeth? That is the question, right? Uh, <laughs> she was an avid Xbox gamer. I would be, you know what? The, the, the queen. Oh, uh, yeah. I, I see her more as the Microsoft <laughs> Wii. I'm not Microsoft. Nintendo Wii kind of. Microsoft's not acquiring uh, Nintendo. Calm down, Sony. Um, yeah, I, I see her more of, of a uh, Wii bowling kind of uh, kind of person when she was up and running. But hey, you know. It's, that would be it, quite it the sight indeed. Oh, love it. <laughs> um, so, uh, again, pretty aggressive statements early on from both Activision, uh, from the CEO, Bobby Connick, as well as the CEO over there in Lulu, and then Brad Smith as the president. And from there, a little bit of a softer uh, internal side coming out from Microsoft Gaming head Phil Spencer. Uh, not really too much to report on here. He did call an all-staff meeting for the gaming side of Microsoft after this deal was made. He pretty much came out and said, hey, regardless if this deal passes or not, one, we are going to continue staying committed to it. We're hoping it passes. Uh, we believe it will pass still. So kind of giving that reassurance on that front, but also saying, hey, if the deal falls through, we are still committed to gaming here at Microsoft. These are the ways we're going to move forward. We have some amazing games in the works. Let's keep it going and let's continue to build on it. Uh, we're not done acquiring either. If this deal falls through, we will still look in that direction as well. Uh, so I think great statement from Phil. And again, this one being not as aggressive, going on the internal side, kind of reassuring employees uh, that Microsoft is not going to get rid of the Xbox if the deal falls through, um, but also reassuring that they are still 
somewhat committed to trying to get this deal forced through regardless of how uh, they're able to go about it given the stipulations that the CMA does have over there in the UK. Um, I don't think there's really too much else to touch on this part, but what do you think, John? So uh, just just going back to the Queen comment, Booty7 in chat says I know, for real, probably though. bust a hit playing <laughs> Wii Tennis. Uh, no, I mean, look, I think people forget like how intense Wii Sports was back in the day, like back in the day being like, what, 10, 10 years ago? Uh, yeah, Wii Sports was like... First off, talk about it like an amazing base game to come with the Wii. Uh, but regardless of that, like just absolutely incredible game. But yeah, super, super athletic, like for a video game, like having to move around. Like seriously, if it wasn't for those constant warnings to make sure you have that wrist strap on, like I swear I would have like broken <laughs> at least 50 Wii controllers. Because uh, like I'm swinging my arm playing baseball, I'm swinging my arm playing tennis and like bowling. I'm Good old Wii awful. sports. Yeah. Well, good good thing, good thing the queen okay, doesn't have to worry that, about busting her hips anymore. <laughs> that so took a turn. What? That is true. No, no it's, more, it's no the more truth. Hip busting, uh, and apparently, no more busting of anything but blockbuster deals over there in the UK, because uh, that is what they're after right now. And so far, the CMA taking their response, taking their approach. Uh, we'll see if Microsoft is able to remedy it. Again, they are moving forward. Uh, with the appeal, I don't know exactly what that's going to look like timeline-wise. Uh, a lot of people projecting this deal will go into 2024 now. Uh, that appeals process could take 9 to 12 months overall. So it will push it quite a bit. Uh, on top of that, it is a little funky over in the UK. There's not quite as many um, checks and balances, per se, as we're used to over here in the US when it comes to different court cases. So it will go back to kind of that CMA body, a different regulatory body within the CMA uh, or near the CMA, brother, sister with the CMA. Uh, whatever the case may be, it is not a full separate entity like it is over here in the US. So there is going to be a lot harder of a case for that to be overturned over there. Uh, they don't overturn many. There are certain cases that have, but again, it's very, very rare uh, in comparison to us watching the FTC lose what feels like every other case over here in technology for the U.S. Okay, next up, we have a final response. This one coming out from NVIDIA. Uh, NVIDIA was one of those kind of takers of a 10-year deal. Uh, they were able to sign a year a 10-year deal for Activision games, not only including Call of Duty, um, but all of those Activision games and all of those Xbox games to make them available for the next 10 years on their cloud gaming service. Uh, NVIDIA saw that as a huge win. They were originally a, uh, against the deal. They came in pretty hard alongside Sony. Once that deal was made, they very easily flopped sides. As someone who's kind of that second, uh, first or second, depending on the country you're in, uh, competitor alongside Microsoft's cloud gaming service and xCloud, uh, NVIDIA, I think, saw this as an opportunity to kind of build up theirs to become one of those top two players for quite a while moving forward. Uh, they are a little bit on the outside versus someone like a Microsoft who has a big catalog of games versus even a Nintendo or Sony if they do jump into cloud gaming, which Sony is already making quite some strong moves in that area and will eventually announce that they are officially 100% in, as well as coming out with a handheld for it that should get announced sooner than later. Um, with that being said, they have catalogs behind them. That's one of the reasons we saw Google suffer. Google didn't have the catalog backing them. Amazon, same thing. They've had to make deals with Ubisoft to have these catalogs to benefit their services, and they're still very hard struggling compared to what we have with Microsoft, what we have with NVIDIA, who already have a lot of these deals and really just space in that part of the industry in place. Um, I think Sony will be a competitor as well, and I think NVIDIA knows that. And seeing this flip-flop with the 10-year deal, I think NVIDIA was ready to move forward with this. Uh, so they have since then come out in support of the deal. Uh, just a quick statement on Twitter they made. Uh, it is loading. It says GeForce Now and other cloud gaming providers stand to gain an even deeper catalog of games if Microsoft's acquisition of Activision is completed. We see this as a benefit to cloud gaming and hope for a positive resolution. Uh, so NVIDIA coming out again, not only in the court case, but also afterwards after the decision was made, once again, restating where they stand on it. Uh, a number of worker unions have also come out and restated uh, that they do not agree with the CMA decision and they do stand with Microsoft on the acquisition. Wow, this has been quite the topic, John. We have spent a good half an hour on this topic just about uh, outside of the openings. Uh, I think the only other thing to really touch on here is kind of what's next, but are there any other thoughts based on the arguments and the CMA's position versus Activision, Blizzard, and Microsoft that you want to touch on before we kind of move on to those next moves? No, um, it just... I, I, I still think the whole CMA argument is fishy. I, I, I think they are chickening out. Um, 
I I think it's a I think it's a sad day in gaming, and I think the fact that they're blaming it on five thousand. Yeah, it is definitely is projecting forward, right? A lot of the argument that they have made is projecting that Microsoft is set to dominate yeah. for years on end, and to really hold a giant foothold, which is possible. I mean, they're not wrong in that sense, but I feel like it's very hard to judge on something that is so small in terms of actual facts there right now uh, with such a small population actually cloud gaming and on top of that making these deals with both these smaller and larger ones like an nvidia like a sony who's jumping into cloud gaming uh like some of these smaller services that i can't remember the name of but they're over there in the uk as well uh it's just it's a very odd projection and it feels a little bit weaker on the case front so i'm curious if there is an overturn that does eventually come through again not easy to do over there at all uh so moving forward let's assume uh, for the case of things, and given projections based on how many deals do get overturned in the CMA, this deal will fall through in this projection. Uh, with that being said, Microsoft is going to end up with a good pocket full of change back. They're going to have to pay something around $3 billion to Activision if the deal falls through or is not passed um, by a July date. That could get renegotiated. But let's just say for the heck of it, they do end up giving $3 billion over to Activision. So that still leaves them with somewhere around $65 billion to spend. Now, this is Microsoft's budget. It's not Xbox's budget. So it will somewhat get rolled back into Microsoft, the greater rather. So I think a good chunk of this will go to gaming, um, but we could see some of it go to Teams. We could see some go to Windows. I mean, there's plenty of ways they could split it up. AI would be another one I could see some of this money going to. Uh, so let's just assume that the Xbox division gets around 30 to $50 billion to spend. Uh, John, how are you spending that money if you're Microsoft? Uh, I am donating at least uh, one billion. <laughs> I love that. I support OTN. that. I'm gonna um, send my tweet out now. Right? Yeah. Um, no, I mean, what are you gonna do with all that extra money? I mean, I I, I don't know. Like, what does a billionaire <laughs> do with another billion dollars? Like, I I don't know. Like, in my mind, I could easily spend a million dollars. Like, I know exactly what I would spend a million dollars on. But if, but if you give me a billion dollars, you say, oh, yeah, here's another billion. I, I, I don't know. I mean, with, with how popular AI is right now, I think rolling it into AI is probably a good option. Um, I think continuing to develop the Xbox, maybe start working on the next generation of console, maybe start working on new technologies, maybe putting it into your in-house uh, developers, um, I don't know, uh, make the upgrade to Windows 11 a little bit more smoother. Uh, that'd be nice. Uh, continue to support micro, uh, Windows 10 uh, for maybe another three, four years past the 2025 deadline. I, I, I don't know. How long do they support Microsoft XP? And they're just going to kill off my, uh, our, our Windows <laughs> 10. I just, whatever. I'm, I'm done. I don't know. I, I have no clue how you're going to spend another extra billion dollars. Okay, John, I'm going to give you $50 billion dollars to spend on acquisitions. Who are you acquiring? Are you going smaller studios? Are you going one big studio and some smaller studios? Are there any studios in particular you want to pick up? Uh, I'd go after <laughs> the ones that would make Sony butthurt. Um, in all honesty, uh, I... <laughs> Whichever one Sony thinks is in their back pocket, but they haven't acquired them, those are the ones I would target. Why? Because I'm. Hey, John's going for Square Enix, ladies and gentlemen. John said, uh, the hell with your Final Fantasy deals. No more Square Enix here. We're buying the company. Well, look, I mean, Microsoft is over here trying to be kind and letting everyone have access to, to Call of Duty and Blizzard Activision games in this, in this uh, uh, merger deal, but apparently that's not good enough. So, yeah. Maybe it's time to be the bad guy a little bit. Maybe it's time to just go after what Sony I, I do agree with your most. bad guy approach. I'm not quite as aggressive, but I feel like you might be on the right track here. I think if we see another big acquisition, who are the targets, right? I think EA could be a target. Do I think the sports games licenses are worth a ton? Uh, probably not. I, I mean, it depends how you work it, right? Like, those are not going to be Xbox-exclusive games. You're going to want to play that like their strategy with Call of Duty is here. You want to leave... I was about to say FIFA, but whatever it's called now, EA Sports FC, uh, that, your Maddens, all of those, I think you leave those on every other platform. You make your little microtransactions with Ultimate Team and so on and so forth. Um, but again, the issue with that is you don't own the IPs. If someone like the NFL comes out and says, hey, Sony's done a great job with MLB The Show, our contract is up, we're going to give Sony the contract for the NFL, 
that's a huge loss for whatever Madden competitors there are there. And I think that's one of the downsides of anyone wanting to go through and buy EA. Now, at the same point, you have some other cool stuff going on. Not necessarily owned IPs again, but Respawn Entertainment. You own Apex Legends, which is great. You can do a lot with that in Titanfall. Star Wars, they are pumping out some great Star Wars games, but we don't know what those deals look like, if they're long-term deals with Disney, if they're short-term game-by-game decisions. So again, that's a little bit risky. Uh, on the Bioware side, you have some great IPs. Anthem fell apart, um, but you do have Dragon Age over there. You have Mass Effect over there. So a lot of good stuff there. On the horror side, you have Dead Space. Um, you do have that deal with Battlefront with Star Wars once again. Uh, Battlefield you own, which is not necessarily even close to the level of Call of Duty, but it is another one of those military shooters. So EA is an attractive target. I think EA will be on high on a lot of people's list. But again, the IP difference could be the damage maker there in a sense. Uh, if you're looking for the closest thing to a Call of Duty equivalent, I think you look at Take-Two Interactive. They're going to run for about $30 million, or $30 billion rather. So about half the price of Activision Blizzard. But on top of that, you get some really big RPGs and like Red Dead Redemption. Uh, you can pull in your Call of Duty contender in Grand Theft Auto, uh, which is arguably just as big, if not bigger than Call of Duty on the years it actually comes out. Um, but again, it does peter off a little bit here and there. Still a very big community, um, but it's not going to do your annual numbers that Call of Duty does. But it's another huge grab, and it would be another one that, like John likes, would piss Sony off in this sense. Um, and I think the other thing is then you also get your mobile game maker. Take-Two just spent $12 billion buying Zynga, or Zynga, uh, the people who make Words with Friends. Then you can get your King equivalent that you would have had with Activision Blizzard, and you get that mobile partner to continue to push forward into the mobile where Microsoft has kind of struggled a little bit before. So to me, I honestly think that your biggest maker there might be Take-Two Interactive. That might be the easiest sell. Uh, you're going to have to use the same argument you use for Call of Duty for GTA. Now, as Microsoft kind of the family-friendly company. I don't know how pushing GTA really hard is going to end up working. Uh, but then again, is Call of Duty really that family of a friendly game to begin with either? Uh, I think that could be another argument in that sense. So those are the two big ones. I think if you go big, uh, if you go mid-tier, I think Ubisoft is an attractive target. Uh, not the greatest formulas of games. A lot of it does get repetitive, uh, but they are a discount price compared to those other two. Uh, you could look Square Enix, like John was saying, kind of take that big Sony company off the board per se, or Sony partner rather. Um, it's just, it's tough with anything Asian and Japanese. There's a lot of harder regulatory uh, ropes to cross rather over there. Like Sega, I think is a great partner with Microsoft. It's not super easy for them to be acquired. Bandai Namco has done a good job recently with them. Uh, but again, not easy to acquire. Capcom is doing phenomenally well uh, for giant years of excessive revenue. Uh, but again, it's tough to acquire over in Japan. So I think your big targets would be EA and Take-Two Interactive if they end up looking on this side of the fence as far as another publisher. Uh, as far as individual studios go, there's a lot of little ones out there that they could look to acquire. They've made a lot of nice deals recently. Uh, you have other ones like Iowa Interactive where there's rumors of games being made. Uh, the Hitman franchise is a nice IP that they could own from that particular deal as well. So we're not going to touch on all of the little guys, but I think one thing we will see if this deal does fall through, they're going to rapid fire off a couple quick little deals. Uh, it'll probably be somewhere between one and seven, I guess, of studios uh, kind of on that size of an IO Interactive or a little bit smaller. Then from there, once they get all their ducks in a row, uh, we might see them make a bigger acquisition like a Take-Two Interactive or an EA, or at least try to make one of those acquisitions go through. Okay, John, I think that is our big thing here from Microsoft and Sony. We've spent a good almost 40 minutes on this. Uh, it is by far the hottest topic of the year, really, really of the full last calendar year. Uh, it's just been ongoing since January 2022. It feels like it's in the discussion every single week. Uh, we don't update everyone on it every single week because some stuff is just insignificant. Uh, but when it is a big decision like this that could absolutely knock the deal completely apart, uh, it is 100% worth mentioning and breaking down. So I think that touches on the major points. Again, we'll keep an eye on it. We'll see what that appeals process looks like. Uh, certain analysts out there are calling that the deal will end up finding some kind of remedy before the European Commission makes their decision at the end of May, uh, kind of saying that the UK wants to appear very strong, but then will eventually champion Microsoft having to either make like 15-year deals or having to make some kind of stipulation to get the deal to pass. I don't think the turnaround is going to be as quick as they think it is, some of these analysts, and um, I think that's very positive thinking for a deal that I could see falling through. Uh, with the way the CMA has voted here. Anything else, sir, before we wrap that one up with a nice bow? 
Uh, yes, if you are one of the 5,000 cloud gamers in the UK, uh, do me a favor and just cancel your cloud gaming Okay, service this comment right in chat, by the way, from Booty, Fiasco's villain origin story. I <laughs> love that. <laughs> it was, right? <sighs> it's so good. It's so good. Fiasco Booty's on fire today. Taking I like it. down Sony partners to get deals done. And, like, it, the, the, the crazy thing is, let's not forget... I was pure Sony up until this generation of consoles. This is the first time I've owned an Xbox, aside from the 360 I had during the great PlayStation Network outage of 1387 or whatever the heck it was. It felt like it was that long ago. That was the only time I owned an Xbox. Uh, was then for like 60 days, bought it used and sold it. And now I have an Xbox now. Like I've been nothing but Sony Set like since I was a, a, a wee little lad, you know, like I just like it, 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 it pains me to see Sony be this petty about everything, even when their biggest competitors like, hey, look, we understand that, you know, 60 percent of Call of Duty gamers do not play on Xbox. Why in the world would we shoot ourselves in our own foot by limiting it to Xbox only? It just makes no sense. Uh, and Sony still just can't comprehend that Sony that uh, Microsoft is willing to do that. So um, it, it just blows my mind that, that, that this whole thing is just stupid. And uh, yeah, as someone who used to be diehard, you know, yay go Sony, uh, it's it's sad to see him. And go I think in this the other direction. thing, it kind really of playing is. that villain arc a little bit more, just slightly before we move on, uh, Sony has really made their name these last couple of generations on third party exclusives on top of their great first party games. Sure, you have God of War, you have Horizon, yeah. and these games are amazing, and they've definitely pushed Sony forward. But a lot of these other deals too, like this long term deal for Call of Duty content. You look at a lot of these other third-party deals with Square Enix, your Final Fantasies, and so on and so forth. Uh, a lot of these deals have pushed Sony forward in the eyes of consumers. You look at Microsoft. Their biggest generation for consoles was the 360. Why was that? I think a lot of people think. I mean, not only was it a great console and it performed very well outside of the old Red Ring of Death, uh, they made big exclusive deals. Bioshock was first on Microsoft consoles. Mass Effect, another huge trilogy, first on Microsoft consoles. A lot of these big deals back then were made by Microsoft, and Microsoft showed their dominance to some degree in that 360 generation, going up against this giant that was of the PS2 generation before, and really going not necessarily neck and neck with PS3, but definitely made some significant ground more than they've ever made in any other generation, outside of a little bit of time early on in this gen. Uh, and I think that's one thing to say, right? Like, they have not played that heavy of an exclusive game. Sure, we get some indies first on Xbox for the first three to six months, maybe even a year at most. But you look at Sony making big AAA deals, and they're paying a pretty penny for them. But it is showing, and they're pulling more and more consumers. They're selling more and more consoles as a result. I would not be surprised. Microsoft wants to play the good guy, but the way Sony's continuing to push them... I wouldn't be surprised if we do see Microsoft start outbidding them on some of these third-party deals and start wheeling and dealing with the money that they hold behind them to kind of force some of them forward. There you go. The old Emperor voice coming out at Damn. the end. Uh, Star Wars Jedi Survivor, speaking of the Emperor, John, uh, he won't be in this game, at least who I know. Who knows? Maybe he has some clones sitting around back in this gen as well. Um, but he is going to come out in Jedi Survivor. Uh, this is it. supposed to be a little bit of a grittier game from what we had in Fallen Order. Uh, Fallen Order was up there for some Game of the Year nominations when it originally came out in 2019. Now we have that sequel coming out very quick, what, four years later, if my math is correct? Math late at night is not fun, fam. Um, but yeah, about three to four years later, this game is dropping. No. Uh, we do have quite a bit of an assortment of details out there. We're going to keep it a little bit more spoiler-free on this side. John and I have not played the game yet. I've read a couple reviews, but other than that, I haven't really dug too deep into it. Uh, I will say there are multiple planets. One of those planets is Coruscant, will be fully uh, explorable. And this is one thing that they've pushed out in marketing material quite a bit. Uh, everyone who knows Star Wars, I feel, knows Coruscant to some degree. Uh, that's pretty much that main city. You have the council there, uh, both the Jedi Council as well as the Republic Council. Uh, there is a lot of big popular scenes that happen throughout the movies and throughout the shows that happen in Coruscant. So to have that fully explorable, I think, will be really cool to see. Uh, but on top of that, I'm excited to see what other planets they throw in here. 
I haven't looked at the names of any of them, so I don't really know what is quite coming. Uh, we had uh, around five planets, let's say, in the last one. Uh, I am curious to see if that number is around the same. I'd imagine it is, but I think we also see some bigger planets in scale in this game as well. What you thinking, John? I know you played through the first one. It does, doesn't it? It looks great. I, I, I just, everything about this game looks absolutely fantastic. Um, I, I enjoyed the first game. The second game looks even better. Uh, I need, I need to go pre-order it and I need to start, I, I need to start the, the download on it also. Um, because like, I just, I, I want to play this tomorrow so bad. Like <laughs> I want to call out from work and, and play this game it. all day. Is, is what I really want to do. Uh, yeah, I mean, look, I give we give EA a bunch of crap, but, like, these games have been incredible, have been absolutely... Aside from one part uh, in Fallen Order that I was very frustrated at, and that's with the, the how they do the maps, and when you're trying to, like... I forget what planet you're on, but, like, it's, like, the third time you have to go back there and you have to, like, go into, like, this, like, deep, dark part of it and it's like where all these crashed ships are and you have to find your way back while like running into like all these in inquisitors or whatever i just the map needs work and that's why i'm kind of hoping it's fixed here in uh survivor but other than that the game was incredible uh was a ton of fun to play uh this game looks even better than that which again i don't know how they yeah i mean to do to it, john... did, uh, and i'm super excited <laughs> to john's point uh i'm an achievement hunter so <laughs> i went and 100 percent to this game Good Lord, John, those yeah. maps and how freaking linear they are to get through certain points. I feel like I spent Awful. like half an hour just getting to the point to grab some random collectible at the end of the level just because they're so single minded as far as how you can traverse them. I feel like almost all of them only had one path through certain big points of the maps. It was like it was a freaking nightmare. So I agree. I hope there's uh, if there's not some kind of fast travel to quicker, like the meditation points would have been great fast travel points, in my opinion. Uh, if there's not a fast travel option, I hope there are more paths to kind of move your way through the map, uh, at least once you unlock different sections. Sure, make it single if you want to throw some cool cutscenes and all that as you kind of move through the original time. But after that, there needs to be a quicker way to traverse through there. Uh, I think fast travel would be my solution. Um, but if not, I, yeah, definitely some improvement in that area for sure. Uh, the other thing, so there are going to be some new weapons. I'm not going to hit on all of them, uh, but one they did mention pretty early on is there will be a blaster. Uh, so that is a little bit different, as well as a grappling hook. Again, these were pretty early on in the marketing material, so nothing super spoilier on that front. Um, but you are going to get some different tools and some weapons. I don't know what else is in store. I've heard there's a few different stances with lightsabers. But again, not really sure what those look like and how many there are. So that's something we'll have to discover as we play through it as well. The game is going to be bigger, larger scope, larger maps. We talked about Coruscant. Obviously, that is a giant city. I'm assuming it's quite scaled in this game as well. Uh, on top of that, the only negative I'm really hearing, so review score-wise, it did pretty well. Uh, on Open Critic, the one I typically look at, it has an 89% critics recommended, and it's currently scoring an 86 out of 100 over there as well. So pretty good ratings. Uh, not the highest. It's not game of the year rating-wise. Uh, a lot of those game of the years fall in the early 90s. Uh, with that being said, an 86 is a very respectable score. Very good game incoming here. Now, if you are looking to play it, I have heard it is quite buggy, uh, especially on PC. I'm hearing PC is by far the worst platform, just scanning social media uh, and the people who did get review codes. Uh, apparently, it was ported over to PC, so it's not a straight-up game built for PC. Uh, and on top of that, it seems like the high majority of bugs are with um, different frame rate options on PC just being unstable. The game crashes quite a bit. Uh, it does sound like patches are coming here in the next couple weeks, but it might be a little bit rough if you do decide to jump onto PC at launch. Uh, I'm hearing the console versions do have bugs for both Xbox and PlayStation, but it seems like consoles are much more stable overall than the current PC build. Again, if you're not looking to jump in on launch date, you're probably fine a couple weeks from now. They should have a lot of these bugs fixed uh, probably by early May. But if you are looking to jump in early, you might be a little bit safer jumping onto a console one uh, if you have the ability to do so over that PC version, for at least for the first couple weeks or two. Um, I said couple weeks or two, and I meant one week or two because a couple is already two. <laughs> uh, anything else to say on Star Wars, good sir? I know, good times. No, I, I love it. Uh, I saw a video today of um, 
the actor that plays Cal Kestis oh, yeah. and uh, Mark Hamill play uh, like do like this whole like, oh no, you gotta try doing like this. He's like, he's like, you do realize I don't actually have the force, right? But it was it was cool behind the scene footage of like, you know, the motion capture and everything else that went into this game. So. Yeah, I mean, I'm super excited for this. I mean, BD's coming back, and who doesn't love that little droid? Ah, oh, uh, that'd be great. I still want to get the Lego version and build it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I'm excited for this game. Like, if, if you're a Star Wars fan, like, these games have been great. Uh, there have been a lot of duds when it comes to Star Wars games, but Fallen Order was fantastic, and Survivor looks to be even better than that. Uh, put the bugs aside. Uh, I just... It blows my mind how great this game is going to be, and I love the fact that it's still in an era that isn't as well explored. In between Episode 3 and Episode 4, after Order 66, the Jedi Order doesn't exist. Like, that is such a rich era of story to be told, and I'm super excited that they're doing it in a lot of different mediums, whether it's um, done through Bad Batch on Disney+, Plus, whether it's done through jedi fallen order and survivor whether it's done through books however you want to do it or even andor uh that era is just so ripe with content and lore that needs to be explored and i think they're yeah doing it a should be job fun and for our uk gamers out there the well. cma has not blocked the release of star wars jedi survivor so you guys can jump into that on launch day as well a uh, couple mm. <laughs> oh good question on the cloud uh, we'll too see if any of those five thousand gamers decide to play it on cloud uh, if you do buy it on Xbox, by the way, and you're a Game Pass subscriber, you get 10% off of the game uh, because you also have that little EA Play deal. So one thing to keep in mind, if you do buy on that platform, uh, take a look at that 10% deal through Game Pass as well. Okay, other games and releases, just a couple more to hit on. Before we wrap up today's show, I'm realizing I didn't link the trailers for one of these, but I'll try to grab it as we go. Uh, the first one, we talked about it in depth last week, so we won't talk too much more on it this week. Uh, but The Last Case of Benedict Fox, one of those top indie games on a lot of people's radar for this year. This one is dropping today on Xbox consoles and PC. Uh, very cool art style. Uh, John actually hit on this, I think, before a lot of critics did. But this was a game he was looking for in terms of indies for the year of 2023. On top of that, we did see some of those critics hit on it as well as those later shows like Gamescom uh, in August 2022 came out. And they've all been kind of voting that this is a game they're looking forward to. So so are we over here um, being somewhat lovers of indies as well and wanting to dive in to the goodness that this one brings. And John, admiring the art style as he does in these games, uh, mentioned quite a bit of this last week. Anything else you want to touch on on this one? Uh, again, it does drop today. So excited to cue that one up in the download queue. There you go. Next up, we have Go Redfall. This is the next game from Arcane Austin and the Bethesda <laughs> publishing arm of Xbox. Redfall, again, it kind of looked like Fortnite initially. Some like Fortnite meets Left 4 Dead slash Back 4 Blood. You kind of have those cartoony graphics coupled up with some zombie action. Uh, it so turned out that those zombies are vampires in this one. And there's a lot more to it. There's a full looter shooter type of mechanic. Uh, you're upgrading weapons as you go. You get a nice stake launcher. Uh, you have a cool map that's kind of based in... Um, it kind of reminds me of like Rhode Island meets Massachusetts. I think it's actually in Massachusetts, um, but definitely some of those Rhode Island vibes up here as well. Not saying people in Rhode Island are vampires, uh, just saying they have some nice coastal views up there as well. Um. <laughs> uh, Joey, as someone who lived in Rhode Island, I can confirm most of them are vampires. Uh, I did not know you lived there. We'll have to talk about that after the show. Um, off the air, per se. Um, but yeah, I think this game looks interesting, and it's not the top of my radar. Uh, I think one thing Arcane does very well is environmental storytelling. So it's going to be cool to see how they kind of tell the story of different environments based on the way environments are set up, based on maybe leaving notes or pictures or things like that throughout. Uh, they're kind of like the industry leader in environmental storytelling, according to a lot of developers. Um, on top of that, this one does have co-op. I love the idea of jumping into something like this with three other players, or maybe just John and I, and we both just scream a little bit and hopefully kill some vampires along the way. Uh, but it does look fun. I think there's a lot of layers to it. I don't think it's going to be a game-changing game of the year contender of any sort, um, but I do think it'll be a fun co-op experience with friends. Ravenlock. This one coming from Coco Cucumber, uh, who is known for Echo Generation, another indie game of the last couple of years that did quite well review-wise. Uh, Ravenlock kind of takes that Coco Cucumber style and adds a bit of uh, almost like acid trip trippiness to it. Uh, it's very weird, very... Um, Weird. Weird is the, probably the best way to describe this game. 
Um, very, very weird. Uh, a lot of uniqueness kind of coming out in the art style. Uh, a lot of different uh, aspects of the game in particular uh, that will be interesting to see how they do play out. Anything else on Coco Cucumber here, John? I know you with the art style. What are your thoughts on this one? Kind of meeting a little bit of that blocky art style along with some vibrant colors mixed in. Yeah, it kind of looks like Ooh, okay. uh, an upgraded version of Minecraft a little bit. Like if, if Minecraft was to like have 64 bits instead of 32. No, but uh, no, I, I like it. I, I, like the, I like the steampunk elements to it. I like the... Uh, you know, not really sticking to one style of of texture and and shape design and three D design. I I do think it's very unique and very different. And because it throws different kinds of textures at you, I I think just visually, it, it looks great. Love it. Next and up on our list is one that comes about a week and a little bit more than a week after Ravenlock does on May fourth. We have the Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom coming out May twelfth. Uh, in my opinion, this is going to be your Game of the Year winner this year. Uh, some people argue it's going to be Starfield. Others will argue that it is going to be um, probably Spider-Man 2. Uh, you'll have some others argue a few other games here and there, like Final Fantasy 16 might be in the works. Um, I think some of those will be up there and will be nominees. But when it comes down to it, Zelda Breath of the Wild absolutely dominated the Game of the Year the year it came out. And while I think these other contenders are very strong, and I think Starfield in particular should give a good run for the money. The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom is promising a lot, uh, even building upon the game of the year that Breath of the Wild was. A lot of people think this is the game of the year, and I will probably give it my vote as well, uh, at least just from the material I've seen so far and knowing the way the gamers have voted in recent years. Uh, the trailer looks phenomenal. The, um, I mean, just the lateral builds of some of the maps, I think, are crazy. Uh, we see so many games kind of go with horizontal builds. This one going very vertical uh, with a lot of height all the way up in the air for certain kingdoms and then all the way down to the ground with a lot of depth, a lot of height built into the game. Uh, I'm curious to see how some of the temples play out, some of the puzzles. I feel like Zelda is trying to reinvent open world games a little bit with a little bit more crafting built into this one too. Uh, I will be honest. I played some Breath of the Wild. I did not finish Breath of the Wild. I did get a little bored after a while in the open world. Um, I think this one presents a little bit more, um, I'm going to say, <gasps> intrigue from having these big open world maps, adding the ability to kind of craft a little bit more into it, I think makes it a little bit more intriguing. Um, but overall, the Breath of the Wild open world formula did not hit me as much. So I'm hoping Tears of the Kingdom does deliver uh, for me a little bit more in that area. But again, I'm just one gamer of many, or in the UK, 5,000 cloud gamers, um, that will probably be playing this game in some capacity. <laughs> Hey, there we go. Uh, and then last but not least, John, we have an older game kind of making its way out into a new generation. Armored Core 6 from From Software. From just released Elden Ring, which did phenomenally well. Won Game of the Year, won a number of other awards on top of that. Uh, really brought the Souls genre new life. Now we have them releasing Armored Core a year later. It just got a new trailer, and it's set to release in August 2023. Now, I have to ask, have you played any Armored Core games before? I have not either. Um, I am an Armored no, Core virgin in that sense. I have no. never jumped into one. Um, I, yeah, I'm curious. Oh. I've seen a lot of footage. I've definitely watched play of Armored Core, but I've never jumped in myself. Uh, it's kind of, there's always these legendary games out there that it's tough to find time to play everything. Uh, this is one of those franchises that unfortunately I have not jumped into hoping to maybe take that leap here with Armored Core 6. Uh, maybe I'll even find some of the older ones on sales for old PlayStations and old Xbox consoles uh, and try to dive into at least one or two of those before the release as well. Anything else to say, sir? We're coming to 9 o'clock. We really timed this quite well, especially with that giant segment of Activision and Microsoft at the top of the show. And again, gamers, we'll keep an eye on that for you. We'll keep you updated as we go. We don't want to talk about it every single week, uh, especially, God willing, if it does go all the way to 2024. Uh, we will 100% not be speaking about that every single week. Um, but I am curious to see how it plays out, as is John, and as I'm sure many of you are, uh, regardless of which side of the aisle, the console aisle, you do fall on. Um, but in the end, we have a lot of great games coming out. I think the end of April, beginning of May is going to be one of the hottest times for gaming in the last couple of years. Uh, some really exciting stuff. And on top of that, we have other great games like Spider-Man, 
like Starfield set for later this year, as well as not E3, but plenty of summer showcases coming in June as well. And Joe, I, ju I just noticed this. First off, Booty7 is on fire in chat today. Literally goes, staring at Ian Gallagher a little too hard, LOL. I love the <laughs> Shameless reference. Like, that is such a great show. I absolutely love Shameless. So, yes, Ian Gallagher is the same actor uh, that does Cal Kestis. So, love uh, it. Freaking fantastic. Absolutely freaking love it. But yeah, no, I, I'm all talked out of, of Blizzard and Microsoft and Activision and Sony and. You, they can all go away. I'm, I'm done talking about them for a little bit. Love it. Okay, sir. Well, I think with that being said, we are good to head into that closing then. Wrap up today's show and get back to some good old gaming goodness. Uh, might stop by Discord a little bit for those here in Twitch. Oh. Uh, Discord.me forward slash OTN for that. Oh, my. All right, Nation. That is going to do it for this edition of Level Up Live. But before you go, make sure you follow the show on Twitch to catch the next episode of Level Up Live. If you listen to our the show on the podcast feed, please do leave us a review. Level Up Podcast is available on Spotify, Stitcher, iTunes, and Google Play, and anywhere else you can find the podcatcher. Just look us up. We are there for you, and we would love to hear from you. In fact, we'd love to hear from our community so much. There are multiple ways you can reach out to us. Joey, what are some of those ways? Absolutely, Level Up Nation. The first and foremost way is to follow us on Twitter, and we've gotten better about tweeting out the show. Uh, we will continue to move in a positive direction with that. Twitter at Level Up Live, LVLUP Live. In addition to that, you can follow the Umbrella Company, OTN Media, as well. Twitter and Facebook, at OTN Media. And over on Instagram, at OTN underscore Media. Last but not least, hit us up with a follow, maybe even a juicy Twitch Prime sub over here on Twitch. Help fund the show, twitch.tv forward slash OTN Media. Level up live, typically Thursdays at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. All right, Nation, make sure you tune in next Thursday. It is May the 4th. Be with you. For the next episode, May 4th on Thursday next week, as we continue to cover the latest and greatest in gaming and esports news, do your ears and eyes a favor. Hit that sub and follow button to know when the next episode of Level Up Live is ready for your entertainment pleasures. We'll catch you all next week. Remember uh, to enjoy your weekend. Be nice to your fellow gamers online. And as always, Level, level Up. up.